This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live here on Dime Dropper for the 2023-24 season. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube for all things L.A. sports, L.A. basketball, and, of course, L.A. Clippers and NBA. If you're an NBA fan, subscribe. You can listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can also find me as the host of the Locked On Clippers podcast on the Locked On Network. But if you're watching on Twitter right now, please do me a favor and click on the link underneath you and go to the YouTube because that's where I make my money. And, uh, yeah, get on the YouTube, por favor. Uh, so I'm going to delete the link on Twitter, hop into the YouTube, let's get this going. Clippers, oh, man, guys, this was a tough one. Uh, I really made a big emphasis about getting these first four games, Utah, Portland, Orlando, and San Antonio. And for us to lose this one is, is really tough, is really tough, but... You know how I say it's always about, or you know what I say, it's always to me about the process first and seeing how we're playing and seeing what we're doing. And overall, even though I saw some things I didn't like, I am fairly pleased with this Clipper team so far. I think that game was a little bit more of an outlier, and I think we would beat the trash eight out of ten times, even in Utah. Um, with, the, with the intensity that we started the season... I do think, though, our defense, not so great. Rebounding, huge issue. Our big men was a problem. And then closing the game, we could have gotten it done. We didn't get it done. Going to be getting into all that. Shout out to everybody in the comment section right now. Super chats are turned on. If you want to drop a dollar or a dime for your boy, anything is appreciated. Man, I didn't delete the Twitter. All right, deleting the Twitter. So come on to YouTube. Anyway, let's get this going. So, the Clippers, same starting lineup, still no Terrence Mann. The reason why I knew this game was going to be tough is, one, it's the Utah trash in Utah. Always tough, no matter who they have on the roster. Secondly, they just lost to the Sacramento Kings at home. So, losing two games in a row at home to start the season, that would have been tough. It's not frequent, I feel like, that they do that. And you got to remember, this Utah Jazz team, the trash, last season... I know they had Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley, but they were actually competing. They were in the playing mix before they kind of made the decision to tank. So as of now, they're still a better team than people might think. And the way that they were playing, I mean, some of the shots they were hitting, I think our defense didn't come out with the same intensity that it did the other night. Jim Jackson also echoed that in commentary. Uh, just the thing about Utah is their offense was pretty creative actually it was not as much just defending pick and rolls where zoo got to be in drop coverage and just kind of dominate the rim lowry markinen was like being used off the ball almost in similar ways that paul george is honestly more as like this off ball hub setting screens or coming off screens and i was so impressed with how quickly he was able to work off the catch because when walker kessler's setting screens for him like down screens or screens for him to pop out to the perimeter you're not going to switch Zoo onto him more often than not. And Lowry Markin was just finding that glimmer of daylight. And when he was able to turn that corner, now you got a seven-foot guy with athleticism coming downhill at you. 
So even if you got a guy like Westbrook coming to help or Norman Powell coming to help, he's just going right over the top. And there were a lot of situations like that where even when Lowry Marketing was setting back screens, right? If, you, if Lowry Marketing is setting a back screen to a guard, whoever's guarding Lowry Marketing is going to help for a second just to make sure that guard doesn't get a wide open layup. Then Lowry Marketing can get that glimmer of daylight to come up to the perimeter when his man takes a second to help. Stuff like that is hard to guard. So the Clips, it was a lot of switching going on for both teams, on and off the ball, a lot. But the Clippers in the first quarter or so weren't very sharp with those. They weren't communicating on some. And I got to say, Paul George, the first stint, some three moments of just like absolutely ridiculous effort where he was just ball watching, standing in space, no second effort. Like he'd contest a shot, his man would follow it up, and he would just stand and watch and hope everybody else could kind of bail out this possession for him so he could get the ball out on the break. Hell no, man. I see right through that shit, Paul. Come on. That first stint, I think part of the reason we didn't get off to a good defensive start, Paul George. I'm sorry. There was also Westbrook, one moment, just one, where Jordan Clarkson just kind of evaded him and just walked to the corner three. I don't know how he made it. Dude was halfway behind the backboard. This was in the first quarter, by the way. And he hit it. And then THT's hitting contested threes, and he's never been a great three-point shooter. Jordan Clarkson's hitting, like, bank shots to from 40 feet out to end the shot clock. Like, they just got out to a ridiculous start offense, offensively. I don't even think our defense was that horrendous. Just moments of lapses that we could have been better. And, and Zoo, I mean... Oh, he was setting good screens. But if it's the Zubots, I love the guy. I'm a very big Zoo defender, always. I'm extremely tired of the one game he looks like a top 10 center in the league, maybe top 15 center. And there's other games where he looks like he's bottom 10 starting center in the league. It's just the one night he's this, one night he's that. I'm getting really annoyed by it now because I think he's better than that. But it's just the confidence. It's his body language. It's his, the mentality, honestly, at this point. There's, it's not a, you can't be, it's not about the skill at that point. It's really not. This guy is getting blocked left and right. He takes a long time to go up sometimes. I don't know if it's because he's scared. He plays hesitant. But I see when Zoo's playing like that guy, when he's trying to dominate, when he's trying to dunk with authority. There's two different Zoos. And we got the bad one last night. We got the bad one. And Mason Plumley was was pretty non-existent as well. Can't protect the rim really. We already know that, but he wasn't doing really any of his other stuff that makes him decent. Finishing around the rim, setting good screens, moments of good ball handling, good passes, nothing really of that nature. But I think the Jazz, for the most part, it was just they got off to a big start, a really good start. The Clippers were also turning the ball over, careless. Russell Westbrook got to hold him accountable. Too many turnovers, five in the game. Some were his teammates not being ready or not catching the ball, so some weren't really fully on him, but it's still a lot, right? The whole team, let's see how many turnovers we had for the game. 16, that's still a little too much, especially against a team like Utah. Utah had 14. We've got to keep that number down. Russell Westbrook had five of them, so, you know, he's the first person you got to look at there. Outside of the turnovers, though, I thought Russ was really high effort, and I thought our def- our offense was really good. That That's why I was so disappointed with this loss, is our offense was really good. Kawhi and Paul George were playing great. Westbrook wasn't doing too much. He was just table setting. 
a lot of times we had him and Zoo in the dunker, which was kind of clogging things around the paint, I'm not going to lie. But because we have such great mid-range players in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, it's okay. Because Westbrook's such a threat on the offensive glass. That's the thing. And he, did, I like that he doesn't shoot threes. I'm sorry. I do. But the way he shot it so far this season, he's what? One for three? Maybe try one or two more. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that, but maybe try one or two more. Um, I don't mind Westbrook in the dunker, though, because if he gets the ball there, he can also make a good pass. It's not just him going up at the rim. The thing about having point guards in the dunker, it's not very conventional because they're tiny. But Westbrook is not your average point guard. It's still a little tough, though. When you get the ball down there and you've got three guys bigger than you just swarming you at, at one moment. But I still am I'm okay with it. The offense I had to have no problems with. Paul George was awesome. Kawhi Leonard was really good. Our ball movement was pretty solid. Robert Covington was fine. Bones Highland came off the bench and gave us a great boost. He started the game five for five, and he was hitting his threes. But here's the thing. When Rocco hit his three in the first half, when Bones Highland made those threes in the first half, they felt very needed. I felt nervous. I felt nervous when he made them. And you know what that tells me? That tells me that we weren't getting stops. We weren't getting rebounds. A lot of ball watching. Westbrook and Paul George. I'm looking at them specifically. A lot of ball watching at times. Second efforts, third efforts. You need those to win on the road. Come on. We talked about seriousness. Second and third efforts. Robert Covington even at times ball watching. Kawhi Leonard didn't have that criticism of him at all actually. If I had to rewatch it, maybe I'd find something different. But on the initial watch, had no moments where I was blaming Kawhi for effort on the glass or anything of that nature. But as a team, we got to do a better job on the glass. Now, here's why I say don't panic, Clipper Nation. Because the Jazz, I talked about this in preseason on Locked On Clippers. They are a huge team for this modern NBA. They played John Collins at the three. He's played the four and the five at times, his career with Atlanta. Then you got Lowry Markinen, seven-footer at the four, who definitely should be getting more credit for the player that he's become. The way he was coming off screens and shooting threes, fluid. And then able to put it on the bounce, finish through contact. I thought he was extremely impressive. I never thought when he was with Chicago that he would end up being this good. Actually, I did in the beginning, and then I lost complete hope in him. The way he's bounced back and continued to improve is something that is very impressive to see. And I think we need to give him more credit. That he was just that great last night. And he's also much improved defensively. Much improved defensively. But he was giving us everything we could handle. The beginning of the second quarter. By the way, the Clippers still cut it down to 30-33 to at the end of the first. I thought that that was pretty decent considering we were sloppy to start the game. Our defensive focus and energy was not quite what it was against Portland. Granted, the Jazz are a better team. The Jazz were also just making ridiculous shots, and we're only down by three. Bones Highland in the second quarter continued to be great. But the problem was, and it happened twice, in the beginning of the fourth quarter and in the beginning of the second quarter, we had three minutes where Kawhi and Paul George weren't in the game, and Markin was in the game. It was a problem. We went with Westbrook, Bones, and Norm in the same lineup, and it was just too small. It was just too small against a team that's that big. Am I blaming Ty Lu? Not so much. I think he should have known better, personally. But I'm not going all out. It's, the players lost us the game. Ty Lu, not so much for me. But still, those stretches, they were bad. Let me look up the specific stats for y'all. 
By the way, let me hear what you thought, Clipper Nation, in the comments if you watch the game, or even if you're not a Clipper fan, if you watch the game, let me know what you think of how it went last night in your in your eyes. Let's see. I got to go to the play-by-play -play for this. But, yeah, guys, Bones Highland started out well. That lineup is too small, though, especially against a team like that. Bones, Norm, and Russ in the same unit. Not a huge fan of that. So we were down 30 to 33 going into the second. And then Kawhi came in at 947. We were down by 10. So add seven to so minus seven, basically. That was just in the second quarter. Um, PG, when he came back into the game, his defensive intensity totally changed. And it started out the first possession he was in the game defensively. He forced a turnover on the sideline. I think it was against Kelly Ol I think it was John Collins, where he just got him to fumble his dribble and lose the ball on the sideline. And he was clapping, and I was like, okay. PG realized that he was kind of bullshitting in the first stint when he was in the game. And he was incredible the whole rest of the game. Absolutely unbelievable. Paul George, his statement about being back on his bully shit, two games in, passing the test with flying colors. The thing is, though, we've seen Paul George start out seasons like this. And then an injury happens. That's the problem. But knock on wood, that's the one thing why I don't want Clipper fans to panic right now. I know it sounds crazy coming from me, but look, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I got out, I got my frustration and all my emotions out in that last video at the end of the season last year. Like I, I just let it all out. I'm enjoying this. I, I'm just <laughs> when Kawhi and Paul are healthy, I'm just enjoying it. They, be grateful for it because it's a process. We will make mistakes. We will lose some games. But in the long run, if they can stay healthy, we're going to be good. I'm telling you. It's a process. We never get that, that rhythm. We never get that continuity in the season because of the injuries. And I'm just hoping that we can continue with that. Two-point loss to Utah playing the best game of their fucking life. Big deal. Okay? I'm serious. We're going to be fine. Let's go back. We're going to beat San Antonio. But let's keep talking about the game. By the way, let's can those no Kawhi Paul George lineups. I thought we were going to stagger, Ty. Come on. I thought we were going to stagger. Meaning Kawhi or Paul, one of them's got to be in the game at all times. At all times. Even when we get Terrence back, who we missed, by the way. Hmm. Yeah, we can't afford it. We can't, we can't afford it. If we can't afford it against Utah, maybe it's just a matchup thing, though. Maybe Utah's just so big. That's why I don't want to draw too many conclusions. But I don't know if that lineup is good enough. Three guys, six, four, and under, I'm not a huge fan of that. No matter how long Bones Highland's arms are, no matter how strong Norman Powell and Russ are, I don't like it. We should always have one of Paul George or Kawhi in the game. We have to do it. Other than that, Nico Batum. He got some extended minutes in this game, and we didn't see K.J. Martin. So it looks like K.J. Martin has quickly become that 11th man. And I'm not going to lie, from what we've seen so far, I have no argument as to otherwise. He has no offensive game, really. And, he's yeah, he's a run-and-gun, fast-break player, but we still are going to be primarily a half-court team. And Nicholas Batum just offers so much upside defensively. After seeing what he did last night, he guarded everyone. He was so physical. His lateral movement was good. He wasn't biting on fakes. I mean, <laughs> Nico Batum, he's, he's, beat, he's so I saw someone tweeted. He was beating the washed allegations, man. The way he was playing was ridiculous. Blocking shots. Like, he's still such a great athlete. I mean, his wingspan is crazy. Nico Batum. Batum Italian was in full effect last night. But yeah, PG was better defensively when he came in. I thought Kawhi and Paul George in the first half, especially Kawhi,
They weren't being relentless enough on switches. When you get Jordan Clarkson in the post, stop wasting your fucking time dribbling the ball so much facing up. Back his ass down and take him to the block. If you need to pass to get there, pass and go set up. I mean, come on. You don't need to do all the unnecessary dribbling. And it was mainly Kawhi, not Paul George. Paul George was extremely aggressive, which going to the basket. And you know how I can tell you that? 15 free throw attempts. And guess how many he made? 15. Paul George, ladies and gentlemen, off to a flying start this season. But Kawhi Leonard, not to say he wasn't playing badly. He was still playing well, both ends of the floor. I just thought you got to be a little more relentless. The Utah size was a problem, though, on the glass. That was the main thing. Turnovers and the glass in the first half. And just great shot making by Utah. And let me tell you, those three things, those are the themes of the game. Great shot making by Utah, the glass, and turnovers. And you know what? I'm going to add one other component in there at the end, closing. But let me get to that. Zubats getting blocked from behind constantly in the first half, going up soft, hesitating before he goes up. I know he can, you know, he's not the fastest on his feet, but he can go up a little faster on the pass. He's too hesitant and he's getting blocked from behind. Some of them may have been fouls. We never saw the replays. But the reason why I'm being hard on Zoo this season is because I'm the one always defending Zoo. At this point, we need if we want to get to a championship, let's let's talk real. We can't have the constant inconsistency from somebody who's so important to our team because when he plays well, it just makes a huge difference. It really does. And we need better. It's all mentality. It's all up here. It's really all up here. He doesn't just magically become worse. He's playing against Walker Kessler, and he's getting outplayed. Kelly Olenek is doing better than him. Come on. You got to be better. But I, I want to say something about Will Hardy, though, in this, the Utah offense. I really respect that they're not so high ball screen. Uh, you know, that was so diverse to get their big man coming off screens and using him in so many different actions. So salute. They, they are, uh, I hate the Utah trash, but that was good basketball. And it opens up different things for guys like Jordan Clarkson, THT, and Colin Sexton, who was really good in my opinion. He forced an eight-second violation on Paul George in, this, in the second half. I thought that was insane. Very timely turnovers for the Clippers, by the way, in the second half. 13 points for Colin Sexton in 20 minutes. 5 for 12 from the field. I thought he was really solid. But John Collins, by the way, so broke. Oh, my God. Maybe the Atlanta fans were right. Maybe he has no future as a guy that can be looked at to get a bucket. Because his jumper is just... I, I thought it was a miss every single time. Anyway, second half. Better intensity on defense. I want to say Norman Powell also. I don't think he was necessarily like playing bad defense in the first half, but he's guarding guys that he just can't guard. You know what I'm saying? Like he can't guard Colin Sexton. He got beat twice. And he can't guard Lowry Markinen. So we shouldn't ever switch him on guys like Lowry Markinen. But I think Bones should have guarded Colin Sexton in that unit and Norm guarded Taylor Horton Tucker. Like, just body size-wise, they're just more similar. Colin Sexton's too quick for Norman Powell defensively. But Norm, first half wasn't great. I thought second half he was fantastic, though. Better intensity on defense from the Clips to start the second half. Much better defense. Uh, it starts with the, the stars. Kawhi, Paul George, mainly Paul George, and even Westbrook. It was all pretty good to start. And I thought we went for Kawhi mismatch hunting more in the third quarter early in the third and i liked it because there are guys on the jazz these small guards that are getting switched on to him like clarkson 
and THT, who's, you know, he's a big guard, but still, he's not, he can't guard Kawhi. So in the mid post, they're finished. And Kawhi was starting to get into his bag, turn around over the right shoulder, getting into his mid range. It was beautiful to watch. The problem is, we still could not get stops and secure boards. Our centers, I mean, let's see how many rebounds they had combined. If it's a Zubats had two in 19 minutes of play, and Mason Plumlee had four in 12 minutes of play. Six rebounds for our centers compared to Walker Kessler getting four, Kelly Olenek getting four. It's only two more, actually, for them. But then Larry Markin and John Collins are getting 12 apiece. So they just got a lot of size out there, right? It's just not a huge, it's not, it's not a great matchup because we don't really have that many huge forwards. I don't know, Utah's size is maybe a problem in general. Maybe their shot making though is not sustainable. Their shot making is not sustainable. But PG in the third quarter started to go nuclear. Despite Zubats playing so horribly. Besides good screens though, I will say Zubats was freeing up PG for uh, with his screens. PG was hitting everything. Pull-ups. He was in his bag one on one, hitting threes, getting to the rim, getting to the line. So aggressive. So aggressive. He even tried to dunk, like one-hand throwdown on... I forget who he tried to yam on, but it was ridiculous. I was like, this dude is... When he's playing like this, fuck top 15. He's in top 10 consideration. Shit. He's unbelievable because he's doing it on both ends as well. And he wasn't really turning the ball over like that. And I thought Kawhi, by the way, I like the way we're trying to involve him in more off-ball actions. You know, flare screens for him, just freeing him up for little mid-ranges. Setting screens for him even inside the arc off-ball. I like it. Because when Kawhi gets the ball 18 feet away, or, you know, 15 feet and in, off the catch, off the off a screen, it doesn't matter. If he has a clean shot at 15 feet, it's a high percentage shot. But the Jazz finally started cooling down around the third quarter. Finally. Collins was broke, Ogbaji was broke, and the Clippers were inching there to tie the game, but just when we were getting there, turnovers. The eight-second violation, just little, I don't remember exactly who else got turnovers in the span, but it was just careless turnovers right when we were so close. Stepping out of bounds. I remember Bones Highland stepped out of bounds running on a fast break. Uh, and by the way, at the end of the quarter, Norman Powell had started getting going, the last possession with Norman Bones running that fast break. I know these guys are being told in today's game to run to the deep corner in transition. But you know what? I am starting to become very anti the strategy. Let me tell you what I, what I think. On a four-on-two or a three-on-two, one guy going to the corner, that's okay with me. But on a three-on-one, your ass is running to the corner, giving the defense more time to recover when the pass is being thrown, especially with NBA athletes, when someone's coming down the middle of the lane and kicking it out to a deep corner, that ball's in the air for a while. You got a guy running full speed back in transition. A lot of times these NBA players will, it doesn't even matter to be the NBA, guys can intercept that pass as opposed to when you're running the lane and it takes 0.3 seconds to get the pass to somebody. You know what I'm saying? And if you have a three-on-one and you're not getting a layup out of it, then you are kind of have to be fucking questioned. You see, you know what I'm saying? Running to that deep corner, 
Nah, man, it gives the defense too much time to recover. And also, let's say on a three-on-one, you go in and just drive and miss. You got two guys right there. Hopefully, you took your defender out in the air. I mean, when I say took him out, I mean get him in the air to contest your layup. You got two guys on your side going for the offensive rebound. The best fast-breaking team of all time is the Showtime Lakers for me. But if you want to watch good fast-break basketball, 60s Celtics, 80s Lakers, 80s Celtics, a lot of teams in the 80s, the way these guys fill the lane and the decisions they make, they just keep it simple, man. You just keep the ball moving. Bones Highland at the end of the third quarter, these guys are just all fiending transition threes. It drives me insane. Three on one. And you're blowing it for a... You're uh, going back out to the three-point line and you like don't even get a shot off. Terrible. You these games are one on the margins, man. Fill the lane. But this is what this is what they are being told. Bones Highland, it was a selfish decision. He should have passed the ball to Norman Powell. He wanted a transition three, selfish decision. But it's okay. I think Bones has been spectacular to start the season and in the preseason. We outscored the Jazz 29-26 in the third. Got it within six, but I got to say, every time we got close, I got to give them credit. They had an answer. And we got a very generous whistle, in my opinion, in this game. And I never say these kind of things about the Clippers. We never get a generous whistle, but we did in this game, in my opinion. Actually, no, it's not an opinion. We did. Let's, let's just be objective. Going into the fourth quarter, down by six, we had to be really good. And again, we start that fourth quarter. And by the way, before I get into that, Last season, I talked about potentially switching up Paul George and Kawhi's minutes, meaning that Paul George plays the whole first and third, and Kawhi plays the whole second and fourth. Why? Because Kawhi Leonard, our best player, can play in the most important quarter the most and get him hot in the fourth, as opposed to Paul George, who oftentimes would start the fourth quarter turning the ball over and just having Kawhi Leonard out of the game for four minutes of the fourth or five minutes of the fourth just isn't ideal in my opinion. <laughs> I'm just, he can see, floor raise a lot better in my opinion than Paul. It's just because his command of the game and his reliability in terms of shot making on a night to night basis just gives, in my opinion, that reliability to have Kawhi. I'm just, just more comfortable with Kawhi Leonard playing with a bench heavy lineup as opposed to Paul. I'm not to say that I'm uncomfortable. With Paul, because I like our depth. I trust our depth. But it's just that fourth quarter, I'd rather have Kawhi playing the large sum of minutes as opposed to Paul. Here's the thing. We didn't even do that. We started the fourth quarter without both, just like we started the second, and it kind of came back to bite us again. Let me look it up again. To start the fourth. So we're down 83-89. And by the time Paul George uh, Kawhi comes in, 9.58, we're down by 10 again. So just they outscore us by f four in that span. It's just, it was a tough game to win because we were constantly playing from behind. Constantly. And I think part of that is the start. The way we started the Portland game was awesome. We just didn't start the same way. And I think just that first six, seven minutes kind of ended up being the difference because the Jazz just ended up playing so well. So that's something we just got to look at. Starting the game well. it's just It was a really bad thing for us last season too. Slow starters. Just historically slow starters, I should say, with this team. 
But in 2021, I feel like we got off to a lot of good starts. So we got to get back to that. And the way we get back to that is having Kawhi and Paul consistently. Kawhi immediately, when he came back into the game, restored order. Completely. And, and Norman Powell, after shaking off his classic early season rust, got back to looking like Norman Powell. Getting to his right, hitting that floater, hitting tough runners, blowing by guys, turning that corner, and knocking down the three ball. When he was knocking down the three ball, you just knew, all right, he's feeling it. Attacking closeouts, working quickly off the catch, and even at a moment where he stole the ball from, I think it was, God, was it Sexton trying to post him up? Or Clarkson? I don't remember, but he stole the ball. It was good defense in the post. And the Clips were getting a good whistle. Kawhi and Norm hitting back-to-back threes made it 93-97. And after Mason Plumley and Ivica Zubats were giving us really nothing, because again, those off-ball actions with Markinen, just really tough to guard. You don't want to send your bigs out to the perimeter and you don't want to switch guards onto Markinen. Even though the Clippers were switching one through four for the most part and switching off the ball. I thought the switching off the ball in the communication was really good after that first kind of first seven minutes or so of the first quarter. The Jazz scored 63 points first half. They scored 57 second half. So 57 is still too much, but again, it's the rebounding. That's what it really comes down to more than anything. 33 second chance points in this game for Utah. 33. That's too much. Ty Lue in the fourth quarter makes the executive decision to go with no no bigs for the rest of the game. Why? Because one, he wanted to do a better job of staying in front and not being behind defensively. And what I mean by that is he has to switch everything personnel now. Doesn't have to play any of the pick and rolls straight up without switching. And it's not even pick and rolls. It's the off-ball actions that people have to show and recover. That little that little glimmer, Larry Markinen would get the ball and do something. And they have five out with Kelly Olenek. You know, Olenek ended up playing more than Kessler. So they were able to spread the floor. And the Clippers just have less shooters than that. They just do. But I'm not going to complain about the Clipper offense again. So no more bigs. It actually ended up working pretty well. We were able to stay in front of the ball better. And look, Mason and Zoo weren't rebounding. They weren't. There's a lot of long rebounds, but they still weren't doing a good enough job rebounding. Like there was one time where there was a fast break for Utah and Nico Batum sprinted and chased and had a chase down block. And Mason Plumlee was just kind of had no idea that a Utah Jazz player was behind him and sprinted in front of him to get an re- offensive rebound and put it back up and in. It's just like that effort. That that's what it is. That those lapses in concentration. You can't take any possessions off. You got to be focused at all times. And look, I'm not trying to get on Mason like that, but our centers were just not good enough. Olinick, Markinen, Kessler, like our bigs just got outplayed completely. We got nothing from them. Absolutely nothing. And the small ball actually worked because Nico Batum was playing insane. I mean, I, I, there was one point where I was like, this guy is ridiculous all the little things that don't go into the stats like a loose rebound that he tips to someone he doesn't get a stat for that communicating on defense and calling out switches where a guy might be beat but he recovers for a sec and just he he totally cleans so much shit up defensively it's it he doesn't do too much offensively either i just i'm very i'm very thankful to have nico on the team the clips went on a 17 to 4 run 
with Nico being everywhere. Norman Powell was getting to the basket. Kawhi started to get going. And then Paul George came back in. It was just great. It felt like we were going to steal the game. And finally, Utah was returning to earth. Our switch everything going small actually ended up looking good because we were able to have solid defenders out there. And when Norm was hitting shots, he was playing decent defense. So I don't want to hear anything about him being a liability there just because Lowry Markinen and Colin Sexton scored on him a couple of times in the first half. Russell Westbrook, pretty quiet offensively. He wasn't very aggressive. That being said, he was efficient. He spread the wealth. We got good shots basically every time down. Teams aren't going to fully respect him, but I did like his effort on the second uh, second efforts on the glass, playing hard, always playing hard. Like there was one time where Kelly Olynyk was on a fast break and Russell Westbrook stopped him, stopped him on a fast break. He got like, what, six, seven inches on Westbrook, Kelly Olynyk, And Russ stayed up strong. Little stuff like that. Don't get a stat for that. He had nine rebounds, Russell Westbrook. Four points, four assists. Four points is not good enough, though. And five turnovers. So you have more turnovers than points and assists. Uh, that's not very good. But I don't think he was that bad, honestly. As I said, I think there are a lot of things that Russ does that just don't go in the stat sheet. But 37 minutes might just be too much. It might. Robert Covington only played 20. He had four fouls, though. That was the tough part. But let me know, Clipper Nation, do you guys think Robert Covington should have played more and Westbrook played a little bit less? Bones Highland playing 22 minutes. I'm kind of fine with that. Should Westbrook have played 15 more minutes than Bones, though, when Bones was playing like that? Maybe, because Bones didn't have a very good third quarter. He was 5 for 10. So he started out 5 for 5, but then he was 0 for 5, and he had that decision at the end of the third that was just made me so mad. But, hmm, it's debatable. Let me know. I want to hear your thoughts. Paul George continued to be absolutely ridiculous uh, in that fourth. Nico Batum hit a go-ahead three after a Norman Powell three to put us up 107 to 104. He had a right corner three, and it was contested. I was like, oh, my God. It felt like we were going to go home with the dub. Kawhi Leonard was hitting the threes. Paul George getting to the line. Russ had the extra effort on the boards. I think his offensive rebound came in the fourth. If I'm not mistaken, but then <laughs> the Kelly Olynyk show, two threes back to back that were just so demoralizing, and it's just it just felt like one of those nights for Utah, right, where they were just hitting absolutely everything, absolutely everything. I don't even fault our effort in the second half at all. I actually think that the team last season would have gotten blown out after the way Utah started. I think I love the way we kept it going. And look, I did say that our bench unit was going to struggle at times defensively because Bone Thailand, Norman Powell, and Mason Plumley, that's not very good defensive personnel. You know, they're all out there at once, not very strong. So you need to stagger Kawhi and Paul just for the sake of having at least two good defenders out there, whether they're there with Nico or whether they're there with Rocco. But shit. Let's talk about the very last couple of plays. Paul George walked into a contested three and drained it at the one-minute mark. That was unbelievable. Podcast P. Can you dig it? 116 to 115, the Clippers took the lead. And then 
the next possession, Utah got like four offensive rebounds on the same possession, and Lowry Markinen tipped it in. Again, those that's the penalty when you go small like that, right? Lowry Markinen is now the biggest guy on the floor by a pretty significant distance because your biggest guy is Nicholas Batum. So <laughs> th that, those are the results of going small. And if you want to be mad at someone, don't be mad at Ty. Be mad at Zoo and Mason for failing to contribute in any way, shape, or form, really. Besides screening, I'm going to give Zoo his credit for his screening. But if that's, that's the best that I'm giving you and we lose, you got to be better, my friend. Clippers called a timeout and Paul George got to the line. Again, I want to say we got a generous whistle, but Paul was getting fouled. And when Paul's in his bag like that, being aggressive, trying to get to the rim, there are not dudes in the NBA that can guard him without fouling, without hand checking or, you know, playing clean defense, just moving your feet. You cannot guard the Demi when he's looking like that. Seriously. When Paul George is playing like that offensively with that kind of aggression, you are in trouble. I don't, I don't give a fuck who you're gar who's guarding him. Like, he's about to cook. However, there's nobody on the Jazz that can really guard him. Let's be real. John Collins is food. Colin Sexton, Clarkson. Markinen's not bad these days, but he fouls. Anyway, Paul George hits both free throws. We take the lead 118 to 117. And then Jordan Clarkson makes a three off balance going to his right. We switch the screens and we switch them well. Paul George is in his face and he hits a three. And I was like, you gotta be joking, dude. Again, just felt like their night. We were we were we communicated on that switch. Paul George was out there. Ugh. And then we get the ball back. And Kawhi Leonard, how many fucking times? Have I talked about him taking so long to get a shot at the end of a game? Remember last year against OKC? He dribbled out the whole clock. Here's my thing with Kawhi that I've realized since he's become a clipper. He needs to catch the ball in the mid post or closer if he wants to get that last shot. He tends to lose his legs as the game goes on. And granted, I think it's he gives effort the entire game like he does. Plays well on, hard on both ends. But he loses his legs at the end of the games. A lot of times, his shots are short. Last night, that last shot, it felt like he just tried to put so much on it because he knew his shots were short. And he doesn't have that much wiggle in his game. Even though his, his wiggle is a little, a little underrated. He's not as robotic and stiff as people make him out to be. But I think he struggles to get a lot of separation at the end of a game because you know refs are going to be more strict, right? Or more lenient, I should say, for the defender. He doesn't get much elevation off the ground. If he starts behind the three-point line, he still has to make that forward move. Sometimes he doesn't have the juice to try to, you know, hit the gas and then hit the brakes, right? That's tough to do when you've been playing so hard all game. You talk about a place like Utah. You talk about a guy who's come off torn meniscus, torn, you know, ACL, has a knee issue. Putting it on the deck last second of the game, stopping on a dime from behind the three. I think in only games where Kawhi is just like scorching hot, he's going to be able to do that. If he catches the ball elbowing in or 18 feet and in, then you can he can probably get the legs under him for a game winner, just like he did against Charlotte last year. But if we're talking behind the three-point line in a situation where we're not taking a timeout, Paul George should be getting the ball. And honestly, I'm tempted to say that Paul George should be the guy getting the last shot on this team. Because Paul George has more wiggle in his game. He's so tall. His release point is just higher. He has a quicker release. I, th I think he also has the tendency to make tougher shots from long distance. 
So when people say like the smoothness of Paul George's game and all that, that that that's not just aesthetic. Honestly, he has some basketball advantages over Kawhi, and I think one of them is that, in my opinion. I don't care what stat you throw at me, I really don't, because I've seen Kawhi make game winners. I've seen Paul George make game winners, and I think they've made around the similar amount for the Clippers. I think Paul may have made more. Paul, I like him getting the last shot. Honestly, Kawhi is still a closer. Don't get me wrong. I still think he's the fourth quarter guy. But that last 30 seconds of the game, I like Paul George taking it because he has a better chance of getting a clean look. Those Kawhi needs to be on balance. He needs to be on balance and in rhythm with his shot. If you look at the shots he makes, he's always on balance. Paul George can be off balance, can be fading, falling away. He, he, he has like an array of shots. Like He can make basically every shot, Paul George. His handle is just smoother. Like He's got more wiggle. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. So it was a frustrating possession that Kawhi... Also, decision-making-wise, Kawhi Leonard, for such a smart player, I don't know what he thinks at the end of the games, like just dribbling so much when we're down like that. Thank God Westbrook got the rebound. Oh, that was the offensive rebound he got. The last one. So it was just extra effort, like Russ. Oh, what I mean by extra effort is this. Helping def- getting a defensive rebound, like tipping the ball. There were so many times where the ball was like between bigs and stuff, and Westbrook just got his hand in the mix. That's what I mean by extra effort. You don't get any stat for that kind of shit. But that stuff is important. Nico and him doing a good job of that. It still should be debated, though, or could be debated whether Westbrook should stay on the floor at the end of a game like that, personally, when he's not really that confident offensively. But I didn't mind it without Terrence Mann. When we have Terrence Mann, it'll be uh, easier to, you know, you're going to just have the big two, the big two. Kawhi, Paul, Nico, if you want to get really defense heavy, you could have Terrence and Norm. But I don't mind Westbrook that much. It's just, his shot, by the way, you know, the Laker fans were clowning it so much. I think it's ridiculous how, how much they're invested in his shortcomings is quite sad, in my opinion, for a franchise with 17 rings. But anyway, the shot, look, would I have preferred if Russ had passed? Yes. I think he should have kicked it out to Nico. Even though Collins may have blocked the shot, I still think he should have kicked it out. It was a better shot. He was right there waiting for it. And we saw Nico hit that shot against New York last year. I don't know. But Russ, it was online, but he airballed. It is what it is. I'm not mad at him for it. Uh, I'm more mad at Kawhi for wasting so much time and then taking a pull-up three. It's funny because I say he didn't uh, – it's hard for him to put hit the gas and then put the brakes on. He did it, but did you see how awkward that shot looked for him? It's almost like he stopped too early. He had Jordan Clarkson beat. Like, he should have just kept going. But again, legs, like – he had that glimmer of space, and he was like, fuck it. I'm going to throw it up. I feel like I'm in rhythm. He didn't look in rhythm to me. But anyway, the Clippers lose it 118 to 120. Let's read some of the stats for this one. This is the sad part. The Clippers shot 53% and lost. The Trash shot 44%. But here's the rub. The Jazz shot 96 times. The Clippers shot 77 times. 19 more shots. You can win when you shoot 44%, <laughs> when you shoot 19 more shots. So you know what that means? Rebounds and turnovers. How many turnovers did the Clips have? 16. The Trash had 14. But the offensive rebounds, 17 for the Trash, 6 for the Clippers. So there it is right there. No rebounds, no rings. One of the proverbs I live by, die by, always enforce when I coach kids. No rebounds, no rings. And that I'm looking at the bigs. But Paul George and Westbrook to start the game. I am. Second effort has to be there. 
Can't just be you contest a shot and then that's it. If your guy's following up the shot, you got to follow up the shot. There was also one time where Paul and Kawhi, one of them got beat. Then they switched on the possession, right? Same possession. You guys ever do that when you play basketball, when you get beat off the bounce, but a guy's in a position to switch and you guys switch? Yeah, so that happened, right? And I think it was Paul on Collins. And the shot went up. He even boxed him out. It's like, oh, now I'm not guarding him anymore. And the shot goes up. That's not how that works. You feel me? That's not how that works. Oof. Slightly better intensity to start the game. But on the glass, everybody has to contribute. You can't ball watch. If you're a smaller team, and we're not even that small, but against a team like Utah, we just don't have that many bigs, right? We don't have that many great options at the four. Everybody needs to get in there and rebound. It's gang rebounding. But yeah, turnovers, we got to be better. Rebounding, we got to be better. I think we will be better, though. We shot the ball really well from three as well. Again, 40% from three. So that's a really good sign. Two straight games, we've shot well from three. Free throws, though. We shot 78.6%, 22 for 28. The Trash shot 20 for 22, 91%. So there were a couple of free throws we missed in the third quarter that were very, very frustrating from guys that I expected to make some. Utah's biggest lead was 14. Ours was four. They felt like we were down the whole game. Now let's read the individual lines for Utah. Kelly Olenek had 15 points, four boards, and three assists to go along with a steal and a block on five for six shooting and two for two from deep. He was ridiculous. And two for two from deep. We remember those. Keontae George, the guy that killed us in summer league, the rookie, he was pretty good. Hit an off-ball three to start the fourth quarter. Or a three coming off the ball, I should say, to start the fourth quarter. Eight points on three for five shooting and two for three from deep for him in just 12 minutes. As for the starters, THT, 10 points, three rebounds, eight assists, three steals, and a block. Did a little bit of everything. He was only three for 10, though, but two for five from deep, which is so weird. He was hitting his three ball. Jordan Clarkson also didn't have a good shooting night. It felt like he made everything, though, weirdly. 13 points, 4 boards, 6 assists, 4 for 13 from the field, 3 for 5 from deep. So I guess it just felt like they made all their threes. Walker Kessler, 7 points, 4 boards on 3 for 6 shooting. Hit a 3. Again, to start the game, Walker Kessler made a 3. It's just like, does Walker Kessler make threes? No, he doesn't. I guess maybe now he does. John Collins, he was broke, but he got 12 rebounds. 5 of them offensive, so there you go. Frustrating. 13 points, 12 rebounds, 4 for 11 from the field, 1 for 5 from 3. Doesn't scare me at all shooting the 3. We were letting him take him. Larry Markinen, though, probably the player of the game. 35 points, 12 rebounds, 5 of them offensive. So, again, rebounds. 3 assists on 12 for 23 shooting, 5 for 13 from 3, and 6 for 6 from the line. Just an amazing performance by Utah, I can't lie. For the Clippers, Mason Plumlee played just 12 minutes. We went nine deep. He had three points, four boards on one-for-one one shooting. Absolutely non-existent. Vitsa Zubats, six points, two rebounds, two blocks, three for six from the field, non-existent. They weren't playing their typical just pick-and-roll basketball, so it was a little different, not really as equipped, or they're not really playing into Zoo's hands, you can say. All right, so yeah, Zoo didn't do enough. Mason Plumlee didn't do enough. How about Robert Covington? He was not bad, but the foul trouble really kept him out of rhythm in this game and just 
I don't think we got to see an extended stretch from him because of that. He had four points, two rebounds, two steals, one for three from three, and those were all his shots in 20 minutes. Let me know if you think Rocco should have played more and Russ less. Let's talk about Bones Highland. I thought overall in the game, he did what you needed him to do. Like, you got enough production out of him. 12 points. Again, his defense has been really solid these first two games. He had a nice steal on, I believe it was Sexton? So either Sexton or Clarkson. 12 points, two rebounds, an assist, and a steal. He had three turnovers, though. Five for 10 from the field, two for five from three. I'll take that, honestly. Norman Powell, 20 points. So good to see that. So good to see that. I hope that's the start of a little bit of, um, you know, start of some good confidence for him going into the next couple of games and developing a rhythm to start this season quicker than last. Seven for 10 from the field for Norm, two for four from three. Really efficient, 25 minutes of play. I thought his defense in the second half was really good. Then you've got Nico Batum, who played 30 minutes and I thought was just fantastic. Eight points, two boards, three assists, one steal, three blocks, insane effort, no turnovers, three for four from the field and two for three from deep. Awesome performance by Nico. So encouraging. Making it so like Ty Lue can't keep him out of the rotation, to be honest. Westbrook, 37 minutes, maybe a couple minutes too many. Only four points. You definitely need a little bit more from him. Got to be a little more aggressive. Try to get downhill on guys. There were chances for him to get downhill. And I thought, you know, he was feeding Paul George and Kawhi, and I got no problem with that. So it's like if, if Russ is shooting more shots, are Paul and Kawhi shooting less? So I'm, I, to be honest, I don't really have a problem with our offense. But going forward, I would like to see him score a little more than four. At least he was efficient, though. Two for four from the field, 0 for one from deep. It was a corner shot, wide open. Didn't get to the line, and you definitely want to see Westbrook get some free throws. Four points, nine rebounds, four assists. Love that he rebounds. One steal, one block, but five turnovers. Don't like that. And then you've got the big boys. Kawhi Leonard and Paul. Kawhi, 25 points, nine rebounds, five assists, two steals, only one turnover. Thought he was really good. He was a plus nine. 10 for 22 from the field, four for 10 from three. I just don't love Kawhi Leonard in the last 30 seconds of the game. I'm not going to lie. Seems like his legs go, and he's not a t- I don't want to say he's not a tough shot maker because he literally is a tough shot maker, but in terms of creating shots under pressure when it's like you don't have that much time, you don't have that much space, and the ref might not be calling something, like the off-balance leaners, and maybe you get a double team come in, you got to shoot over it. Those shots, Kawhi, I mean, he's not that guy to me. He's got to be kind of single coverage, really in a rhythm, pepping his step. And a lot of times, his legs go. If he catches the ball in the mid post, it's different. But he oftentimes just wants to dribble it out so much, over dribble at the end. And he's like, when when Kawhi takes too many dribbles on possessions, he always misses short. Every time I've noticed, ever since we got him, and it makes sense. That's a lot of people when they dribble a lot, and you know take their legs out. But anyway, yeah, like Paul George finishing the game, or, or sorry, the last thirty seconds. But Kawhi, I still think he played really really solid. Thirty seven minutes. It's quite a lot, but hey, it is what it is, right? You need your stars to play that kind of minutes. Jeez, that's that is a lot. How many did they average last year? Let me take a look. I think they averaged like thirty-three. Kawhi averaged thirty-three. Yeah, thirty-four. 
35 minutes, man. Well, Terrence Mann's going to help. But, yeah, they probably should be playing around 34, 35 minutes. Is that sustainable? I'm not sure. I hope it is. Paul George, 36 points, 4 rebounds, only 1 assist. Don't mind it. 2 turnovers. 9 for 17. I think 2 turnovers is fine. With how much he had the ball in his hands. 9 for 17. 3 for 9 from 3. Yeah, his 3 ball actually wasn't that great. But he made big ones. And he made all his free throws, 15 for 15. thought he was awesome. But moral of the story, Clipper fans, our defense has got to be a little better, especially just to start games. Like Zubats, it's not even just the, the re- lack of rebounding. It's his defense, too. Is like he's not even contesting shots with the same kind of energy. He's staying down a lot more. I just don't – I don't know. It's, it's one night Zoo is amazing, one night he's just a mess. I got bedhead, by the way. For those watching on YouTube, my hair is a mess right now. Jeez. But anyway, yeah, I wouldn't panic too much, Clipper Nation. I think it was a really outlier game from the Jazz with some of the shots they were making. Because the Clippers did turn it up on him defensively. We struggled to rebound. And I think the Jazz just might be a tough matchup for us because of the size of their front line. We also didn't have Terrence Mann, who's athletic and can help on the glass as well to a degree. We, we can't do the stagger shit. Or the non-stagger, I should say. Can't have that three-guard lineup in the start quarters. Um, and honestly, PG and Kawhi, though, I'm, I, I did say that they I don't blame them really, but they got to close. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, they got to close. Kawhi Leonard, uh, he kind of lost his legs at the end. And it's, it seems to happen quite frequently. He took too long on that possession. But, but Jordan Clarkson's three was just ridiculous too. Anyway, I'm not tripping too much. It's just that it was tough, you know, to lose a game to a team you're so much better than. But in Utah, it's early in the season. Every team's trying tough but Zubats has to be better Plumley has to be better and the, the bright side is Clipper Nation Paul George and Kawhi are healthy through two games you got to be thankful for that because Kawhi was not playing these kind of minutes and playing at this level last season till like game 30 so we got to be really appreciative and just we go to San Antonio we play San Antonio next I'm gonna be at that game I'm gonna have the vlog it's gonna be crazy seeing Wemby in person Definitely going to be some buzz in the building, but it doesn't matter. I hope he has a terrible game. I hope we kick the shit out of them. We should beat them. Let's go 2-0 at home. Let's develop a real home court advantage this year. Shout out 207. But before I end the live, or I'm sorry, the episode, and go to the live subscribers, I want to talk about some other teams' highlights that I watched and one other game I watched around the league. And let's just go rapid fire with the highlights, right? First one I watched was extended highlights, of course. First one I watched was Atlanta versus Charlotte. Terrible loss for Atlanta. One, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray shot terribly. And, and LaMelo Ball still showing that he is still a very good player in this league. Creating good shots. I was seeing in the pick and roll, making shots. Terry Rozier was good. P.J. Washington had a good game. And Brandon Miller, good debut. So big win for Charlotte there. But Atlanta, again, I'm looking at Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. Trey Young, the problem is when he's not hitting shots, he doesn't guard. He just He's a cone, man. I, I saw some of the highlights. They just You know what? I don't want to judge a, the game by its highlights. <laughs> but Trey Young just getting the corner turned on him left and right. I'm seeing in the highlights. And I've seen him defend enough to know what, what he is on that end of the floor. Then the next highlight I watched, Memphis and New Orleans. Happy to see New Orleans winning that one. Memphis, they're going to need a lot from Jaron Jackson Jr. offensively with John Morant out. 
And now that Steven Adams is gone, their defense and the rebounding is not going to be as good. It's going to be a struggle for Memphis. I saw Marcus Smart had like 17 points, but he also turned the ball over five times. Desmond Bain at 30. He's going to have to really carry the load scoring. But it's always a great day when you see uh, Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram on the court together. And it was great to see them linking up and, and doing their thing. And getting the win in Memphis, who I predicted to finish 11th after the injury to Steven Adams that he had to have surgery. So as much as I like Derrick Rose, um, <laughs> as much as I like Derrick Rose, he is not Tyus Jones right now. And speaking of Tyus Jones, by the way, Zion looked great going up for lobs, dunks. Love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. Then I watched the highlights of the Pacers and the Wizards. Pacers smacked the shit out of them. And the Wizards are not going to be good, man. Their starting lineup is Tyus Jones. I thought Monty Morris was going to start. He probably will when he comes back. Um, but right now it's Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole, Kyle Kuzma, Denny Avdia, and Daniel Gafford. With Danilo Gallinari, Corey Kispert, DeLon Wright, Bilal Koulibaly off the bench. Yeah, that's the worst team in the East for sure. Their best player is Kyle Kuzma, who had 25 points on 50% shooting, 9 for 18. Jordan Poole in his first game as a Wizard, 18 points, 5 assists to go along with a steal and a block. 4 turnovers, 7 for 18, and 0 for 6 from 3. The Pacers got 23-pieced, 143-120. to 120. I have a feeling this team is going to have a hard time guarding Tyrese Halliburton in the highlights was absolutely in complete command in the pick and roll. 20 points, 11 assists, just countering everything that he saw defensively from the Washington Wizards in pick and roll. Hitting the mid-range, hit two threes, making the right reads. Benedict Matherin now starting for the Pacers. We talked about that in the preview, the four sportsmen preview, previewing every team, making our predictions. Buddy Heald coming off the bench, had 14 points and five assists off the bench on five for nine shooting and four for seven from deep for the Pacers in that one. And then you have Benedict Matherin with 18 points, four boards, five assists, and two steals. So I had the Pacers finishing in the 10th seed. Let's see what they do. A good start to the season for them with that one. Miles Turner, 11 points, 8 boards, 3 blocks. Pretty standard. How about the new boys, Obi Toppin and Bruce Brown? 11 points and 4 boards on 4 for 9 shooting for Obi Toppin. And then Bruce Brown in 27 minutes, 24 points, 3 rebounds, an assist, and a steal on 8 for 11 shooting. And get this, 6 for 8 from 3. Indiana shooting 46.5% from deep. So, electric opener for the Indiana Pacers. Now, the Cavaliers and the Nets. Donovan Mitchell, game-winning three. How about that one? 27 points, five rebounds, six dimes, and four steals for Mitchell. Looked like an exciting game, but the Nets totally blew it. They had like a six-point lead with like a minute left. Oh, my goodness. Turned the ball over. That was tragic. Ben Simmons, four points, ten rebounds, nine dimes. Okay, not bad. It's more of a Ben Simmons kind of stat line. Two for six from the field. No free throw attempts, which I don't like to see because Ben Simmons should be getting to the line. 36 points for Cam Thomas. How about that? We saw that him torch the Clippers last year one time. Dude's an electric scorer. Happy to see him getting minutes. 13 for 21 from the field and two for five from three. In contested pull-ups left and right. Absolutely electric. Who else is there to talk about from the Nets? 
Mikhail Bridges, 20 points, 6 boards, 4 assists, 3 steals, and on 6 for 12 shooting and 0 for 2 from 3, 8 for 9 from the line. Huh, 6 for 12? I mean, that's that's not enough shot attempts. But I don't know. I can't really judge the game when I haven't watched the whole thing. But the Cavs winning by one, that's about standard. You know what surprised me? I wouldn't even say surprised me. And by the way, Jared Allen's out right now. I don't know how long he's out for, though. Max Struess, absolutely scorching hot in his Cavs debut. 27 points, 12 rebounds on 9 for 17 shooting and 7 for 13 from three. Man hit seven threes. Oh, my God. And then... Isaac Okoro had 18 points on 6-for-10 shooting and 2-for-4 from 3. Took along with 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, and a block. So great start to the season for Okoro. Cavs get the W over Brooklyn in Brooklyn. And then the Miami Heat nearly blew the game against the Detroit Pistons. That was ridiculous for a team that has championship aspirations honestly i can't judge the miami heat in the regular season they're, they're just a totally different ball game the important thing is they still won the game 103 to 102 but you know what i gotta say about this one two words cade cunningham mid-range oh man he embraces it he likes it he takes it he makes it 30 points nine dimes to go along with a block and a steal and three boards 13 for 27 from the field and four for nine from three for Big Cade in his first game, I really hope to see him stay healthy to actually watch him play basketball this year. Jalen Duran, 17 points, 14 rebounds, 4 assists, and 4 blocks. Good game for him. Then you have Isaiah Stewart with 14 points and 14 rebounds. So 28 rebounds between the center and power forward for the Pistons. Tough shooting game in the NBA debut of Asar Thompson. 4 rebounds. I'm sorry. Four points, seven rebounds, five blocks, though. Wow. On one for seven shooting for him in his NBA debut. But, yeah, the Heat winning 103-102. And then I also tapped in highlights-wise with the – this is the last one that I saw highlights-wise. And then the, I'll tell you the game I watched. Minnesota and Toronto. Minnesota is what I expect. They're all right. Anthony Edwards was 8 for 27. Watching the highlights, you would think he had played great, but he was 8 for 27. 26 points, 14 rebounds. Uh, 4 for 7 from 3. But yeah, 4 for 20 from 2 for the Ant-Man. The kill Alexander Walker is starting at shooting guard right now. Because Torian Prince, I guess. Yeah, he left. He was 1 for 5, and he was a minus 17 in 23 minutes. 2 points. Carl Anthony Towns, 19 points, 10 rebounds on 8 for 25 shooting and 2 for 10 from 3. This team is whatever. I, I predicted them finishing 9th, right? Yeah. No, I went, I went 10th and then Dallas 9th. I haven't watched Dallas-San Antonio yet. I got to watch that one. Especially because San Antonio is playing the Clippers next. How about Dennis Schroeder in his first game as a Raptor starting at point guard? I thought Gary Trent Jr. would start and they'd play Scotty at the 1, but... Dennis Schroeder, 22 points, 3 boards, 7 assists on 8 for 17 shooting and 4 for 8 from 3. Now, is he going to shoot 50% from 3 this season? Fuck no. But Dennis Schroeder, he'll take that one. And Scotty Barnes, 17 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, and how about 5 blocks for the kid on 6 for 16 shooting. And you also got a 20-point night from OG Ananobi. Good win for the Raptors to open up the season, 97-94. to 94. And now to close out the live, 
before I get into the comments, the Celtics and the Knicks. Ah. This one was some stretches of really bad basketball being played, I want to say. But Chris Stapps, Porzingis. Wow. This is the best I've ever seen him play. So here are my feelings on Porzingis, right? I used to think he was amazing when he was on the Knicks, like early on. I was like, oh my God, this guy's going to be like insane, like the next Dirk Nowitzki or something. And then he got injured, and I always wanted to see him play again. I thought he was an all-star player in New York. Goes to Dallas, helps them make the playoffs the first year. I still think he's an all-star caliber player. But then 2021, I watched him in the playoffs, and I saw how weak he was when it came to getting little guys on him and not going even to the mid post, not backing him down, not taking advantage of size. Just another big man who lives on the perimeter and chucks, and he wasn't protecting the rim the same way anymore. Thought he was weak. Thought he would never be an all-star again. Fool's gold. Especially because the Mavericks made a decision to trade him. That was really like, we don't think you're nice like that. Traded him for Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie, who granted was amazing in the 2022 playoff run. But, yeah, trading him. So that was a, to the Wizards, where he just puts up stats on a bad team. Now, last year he stayed healthy. He was really good, statistically. When I watched him, he was good. But now I get to see him in the spotlight. And the Celtics don't even need him to create his own shot. Just using him as a pick and roll and pick and pop big with the threats that they have, it was just like, oh my God. And he was blocking shots left and right, contesting shots, really good defense and drop coverage. It was mostly drop coverage. Occasionally hedging on the wing, on the sideline. But what a debut for Porzingis. Hit three threes in the first quarter. It was like Jason Tatum, Porzingis pick and pop, like good luck. It's going to be, day and then Jay, Drew Holiday's out here guarding one through four, like locking up Randall, who's missing layups, by the way. Like his aggression, but missing layups. And Brunson's just getting put in a jail cell. Like, <laughs> Boston, the only problem with the Celtics is they play some of the dumbest basketball in the league, and this game was no different. Constant isolation, a bunch of no-pass or one-pass possessions, and Drew Holiday's not going to help with that with his reckless quick shot selection early in the shot clock. It's just that he makes up for it on defense, but... Tatum, as amazing as he was, cooking. Too much dribbling and too much looking for his own shot for me. 22 shots, I don't mind that. But like Jalen Brown, totally out of rhythm. Four for 11. It's, again, now, you're that, now, you, now that you have four stars, which you basically do. If Porzingis plays like that, he's a star. It's a lot of mouths to feed. It's a rhythm thing. The Celtics did end up getting the win, though, because Porzingis was electric. But the Knicks, I mean, they were like up seven points with like three minutes left or something, and they blew it. Tatum was electric, 34 points, 11 rebounds, four assists, two steals, and a block. He was doing it in every way, shape, or form. 13 for 22 from the field, three for eight from three. But I still think he takes bad shots and dribbles the ball too much sometimes out behind the three-point line. He's just a better version of himself every year, but I still think he just does too much. And I love Jason Tatum. I think he's the fifth-best player in the league. Is Jason Tatum better than Kawhi now officially in terms of like, let's say they're fully healthy. Fully healthy, is he better than Kawhi? Because I rank him higher because of availability. I just want to know what you guys think. I don't think he is. Porzingis, 30 points, 8 rebounds, 4 blocks on 8 for 15 shooting, 5 for 9 from deep, and 9 for 10 from the foul line. Amazing debut. Drew Holiday, 9 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 blocks on 4 for 10 shooting and 1 for 5 from 3. It's absolutely unbelievable how little that shows about how great, how good Drew Holiday played. Because defense just doesn't come up there. 
how he guarded everybody. And yeah, and he's standing up to the Knicks. R.J. Barrett at 24 points. Brunson got clamped. 15 points on 6 for 21 shooting. And Randall, 14, 11, and 7. That's 7 assists on 5 for 22 shooting. And they still almost won because Emmanuel quickly had 24 points. 5 for 7 from 3 for quickly. And 11 points from Quinton Grimes. But yeah, still good win for the Celtics. Just, just get the job done, right? Knicks are a good team. At MSG, really great atmosphere. But yeah. That's all I got right now because those are all the games I watched. I'm going to watch some of Thunder Bulls. Definitely going to watch Mavericks Spurs. And then I'll be done with Wednesday. I already did the lives on Thursday's game. So go check that out. My Lakers, Suns, and 76ers Bucks video. It's timestamp two if you just want to listen to one game. Then I'll watch the games from last night. So see like all this and I still try to want to, want to try to watch soccer. It's like fuck. That's it for me guys in the episode. Thanks so much. Let me know what you thought. I know it was long but I timestamped it so it'll be good for... Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Clipper Nation, we will be fine. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. Peace. By the way, just one thing for you guys listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you've made it to this point, thank you so much. The reason why you'll hear sometimes maybe more pauses these days in my lives and me stopping, kind of stuttering is because a lot of times I am looking at the comments here and there as well just to make sure my connection's good and everything's going according to plan. But I try to keep my mind focused and keep going for that hour or however long I'm on. But yes, that's the reason why sometimes you'll see me or hear me kind of pause maybe more than what's enjoyable to listen to. But I apologize for that. It's just that I'm trying my best to read the comments and make sure the live's going well as well. Thanks so much, guys.